The title of the sermon today is Showers of Blessing. So the promised land in Israel is a place that um, practices dry land farming. That means they're dependent upon the Lord to provide the rain. And as you read carefully the Old Testament, you'll find that there were two periods of rainfall, the early rain and the latter rain. Uh, so they had a rainy season. The early rain began that season. The latter rain ended that season. And um, they were totally dependent upon both. And I think God put them there in that place for a reason. To help them understand how dependent upon God they were for the bread that they ate. So the question comes, if we in our self-sufficiency are not dependent upon God, then who are we dependent on? Have you ever been thirsty? I mean, really thirsty. Uh, maybe you've been out for a run or working hard in the sun and you haven't had any liquid uh, for a while and you're just parched. You're dry. Your soul is crying out. If you go too long, then you begin to dehydrate. Uh, you can go for quite a ways without food. You can't last very long without water. And so water is what we are dependent upon. And I think this is why the, the scriptures make such a point of talking about thirsting in our soul and in our spirits. We read this morning from Psalm 63. And David was, the psalmist was talking about his soul longed and thirsted for God like a person in a dry and parched land where there was no water. If you've ever been in a desert, uh, most of us have. Uh, if you've been in the Middle East in the deserts, those deserts are really deserts. I mean, there is nothing there as far as the eye can see. So the psalmist, uh, in this case, David, in Psalm 42, verses 1 and 2, though this is the sons of Korah, as the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? And so the psalmist is saying it's almost like a physical thirst in his soul. There is an inner longing, um, desire to know God, to be in his presence, to seek after him. That's what the New Testament talks about, seeking after God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. I don't know that we know a lot about that. Really having that desperate longing Seeking him for life. In Psalm 143, verses 3 through 6, one of the Psalms of David For the enemy has pursued my soul, he has crushed my life to the ground, he has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. You ever felt that way? Um, it's funny that with all of our 
IT things that connect us with everybody. You know, you can't get away. You can't hide. Uh, everybody's watching and looking and wanting to connect and wanting to talk and all of that. And yet, there are more cases of depression than ever before. People feeling crushed in darkness. Therefore, my spirit faints within me and my heart within me is appalled. He's appalled at himself. He's desperate. And then this is what he says. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all that you have done. I ponder the work of your hands. I stretch out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. Selah. So when we're in that situation, when we're desperate, when we're empty, when we're alone, when we are thirsting for God, he tells us what we can do. You're not helpless. It's an active searching for God and active waiting upon him. And so he says, first of all, I remember the days of old. He thinks to the past of God's faithfulness and his blessings, his presence, his grace. And it gives him strength and hope for the present. I meditate on all that you have done. Meditate, that's like a, chow, a, a cow chewing its cud. You know, it's already eaten. Now it's sitting there and digesting that. And it's going over and over and over again. He's thinking about it. And then he says, I ponder the work of your hands. I put it in my heart. I remember it. And I stretch out my hands to you. That's what it means to thirst after God when we're in this kind of a situation. Remembering and searching, pondering, meditating, stretching out our hands to God. So in Ezekiel chapter 34, he's talking to people under God's judgment. And in chapter 34, he talks about God himself is going to come looking. Now, the hope that we have as Christians is no matter how desperate, how alone, now, nor how forsaken, betrayed, whatever, God's looking for us actively. He's seeking us because he knows how desperately we are seeking him. And he says, he's talking to people in captivity now. I will make with them a covenant of peace. We're in 34 verse 25. And banish wild beasts from the land so that they may dwell securely in the wilderness and sleep in the woods. And I will make them and the places all around my hill a blessing. You know, God called Abraham there in Genesis 12:1. And he said that what he's going to do is he's going to create a new people, a people of God. And he says, you will be a blessing. God will bless them and they will be a blessing. And all the families, all the nations of the world will be blessed through them. That call has not changed. And that's what we are called to be as the body of Christ, isn't it? A people who are blessed, not just for our own benefit, but that we could be vessels, channels of that blessings to others. And he's saying that in Ezekiel 34. Even in captivity, even under judgment, the calling and equipping the anointing of God has not changed. 
The call is still there. The anointing is still there. And what he's assuring them of is his presence is still there. I will make them and the places around my hill a blessing, and I will send down the showers in their seasons. They shall be showers of blessing. And the trees of the field shall yield their fruit. The earth shall yield its increase, and they shall be secure in their land. No fear. And they shall know that I am the Lord when I break the bars of their yoke and deliver them from the hand of those who enslave them. He's giving them this message of hope even in their captivity and enslavement, even in their exile far away from their home, even in their separation from proper worship. God says, I will meet you there. And so God is gracious. In Isaiah chapter 30, the showers of blessing that he's talking about, these are the, the rain in its season. That means the early rain and the latter rain. And so Isaiah chapter 30, and we're going to come back to chapter 30 a little bit later, but we want to look at verse 18 right now. And he's been talking to the people. Again, these are people under God's judgment. Uh, the judgment has, is in process of falling in Isaiah's day. And so he told them that if they would return, that's repent and rest, they would be saved in verse 15. And quietness and strength and in trust shall be your strength. But they were unwilling. I think this is a message for us today in our church, in our community in our country. God is telling us in returning, that's repentance, and rest, that's trust, you shall be saved. In quietness and in trust shall be your strength. Now the question is, are we willing to receive that? Therefore, verse 18, the Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who wait for him. What he said is, I've got all of these blessings for you. I'm waiting for you to get in a position to receive them. When our heart is filled with self, when our heart is filled with more, my will be done than your will be done, we can't receive anything because we're too full of ourselves. If you've ever looked at a parched land, one that's been dry for a long time, it has to be prepared in order to receive the rain. So if the rain comes and the ground's not prepared, most of it washes away. So in the prophet Hosea chapter 12, it's chapter 10, verse 12. God speaking through the prophet Hosea to the northern kingdom of Israel. These are the ten tribes 
they're just about ready to get destroyed. And it was going to be a pretty complete destruction. Um, Hosea was one of the last writing prophets from the northern kingdom. And um, they didn't hear, they didn't receive that word. So they went into captivity and they dropped out of history, those ten tribes. They've never, as a tribal group, recognizable, distinct group, never appeared again. And so this is the, one of the last things God was saying to them. Sow for yourselves righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up your fallow ground. That's the, the ground that needs to be plowed. For it is time to seek the Lord, that he may come and rain righteousness upon you. You have plowed iniquity. You have reaped injustice. You have eaten the fruit of lies because you've trusted in your own way. It's pretty, pretty clear, isn't it? And so he says, we look around and say, how in the world did the world get in the state that it's in? We've plowed iniquity and we're reaping that injustice. We are reaping what we've sown. So he says, the way to counteract that is to sow righteousness. Reap steadfast love. Break up the plow, the hard ground so that it can receive. Jeremiah says the same thing 120 years later about Judah just before they were going to be destroyed. And he said, plow up your fallow ground and do not sow among the thorns. And so what God is saying is that we need to take the plow of his truth and as it digs into our heart, as it turns over the soil, it creates a furrow of repentance. Then it's able to receive the seed of God's word. And then when the showers of grace and blessing come, we can receive it. In Hosea, again, chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. So the purpose of plowing up the ground is so that when God sends the showers of blessing... And he's just waiting on us. When he sends the showers of blessing, we can receive it. Now, what I mean by that is not just take the benefits of the blessings and go on. What we're talking about is the word of God planted in our heart. And when the rain comes, we soak it up. It doesn't just run off like it would on the hard ground, on stony soil. It soaks in so that... We can do what David was talking about in Psalm 143 so that it, we can ponder it. We can think about it. That blessing can go from heaven on the earth and into us and become a part of us. The calling is to be the blessing. We can only do that when his presence is in us. So Hosea says in chapter 6 verses 1 through 3, He's crying out to God's people here. Come, let us return to the Lord, for he has torn us, that he may heal us. He has struck us down, and he will bind us up. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will raise us up, that we may live before him. Let us know, let us press on to know the Lord. His going out is as sure as the dawn. 
He will come to us as the showers, as the spring rains that water the earth. Kind of a, a neat thing. You've got the two rains. The early rain begins the rainy season. It's usually mid to late October, goes through the early part of December. The latter rain, bringing the crop to fulfillment and fruition, is between April and May. That's the latter rain. That's the beginning and the ending of the later of the rainy season. The early rain is in the winter when it's cool, and that's when you plant. Then it grows, and the latter rain is the final rain just before the heat of the summer comes. And it's needed to bring the uh, new crop to fulfillment and puts the head on the grains. In the Hebrew language, the word for early rain can also be translated teacher. So in Deuteronomy chapter 32, almost the last thing that Moses said before he left the Israelites went on top of the mountain to die. Deuteronomy 32, verses 1 through 3. Listen carefully to what he says. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. Let the earth hear the words of my mouth. May my teaching drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, like gentle rain upon the tender grass, and like showers upon the herb. For I will proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He says, your heart needs to hear this teaching. And the teaching is the name of God spoken over you because that's who you are. That's your identity in Christ. And so he's looking for people with, whose hearts are broken and open and responsive. And the showers of blessing that comes, that's God's grace poured out upon you. And he does it every single day. The only question is, will you receive it? Now, I'm like you. Some days you get up and they're just bad from the, you open your eyes and it's a bad day already. But that's the ground. Because the presence of God is there every single morning. And he talks about his mercies and his grace are new every single day. And so... When we open our eyes and it's a bad day already, we have a choice, don't we? We can walk in that badness and we will live it out and make our life miserable and everybody around us miserable. And if they aren't miserable before they see us, they will be after they've left us, won't they? We'll make sure. Or we can open our hearts like new plowed field and receive the gentle rain that bears fruit within our lives. We're back to Isaiah 30. Remember? Said we'd come back there. We're verses 18 through 21. Now we read verse 18 already. The Lord waits to be gracious to us. Now we're in verse 19. 
For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher, same word as early rain, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore, but your eyes shall see your teacher, and your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, when you turn to the right or when you turn to the left. If you read Job 36, 22, he says, Behold, God is exalted in his power. Who is a teacher like him? He's the teacher that we see when our hearts are open to him. The blessing of his grace that he pours down is his presence. It's himself. It's a personal walk with him so that we know who he is. And so continuing in Isaiah 55, he's calling upon us to seek the Lord while he may be found. Verses 10 and 11. And then he continues on, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there but water the earth making it bring forth and sprout giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth it shall not return to me empty but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it God's blessing these are the showers that he's going to pour out that Ezekiel foresaw. It's the showers of his word implanted in our heart. These are the scriptures that Jesus bases his um, teaching about the sower and the seed, Matthew 13. Um, and the focus there is on the word of God who's given freely to everyone. But it's how it's received, the four different soils that are there. Our hearts, we live one of those four soils. And so if we open our hearts and receive it, then the water makes the word of God effective in our lives. And when it becomes effective in our lives, that means changes us from the inside. Then what is produced is the fruit, the fruit of the Spirit. That comes from within us because of his presence there. So in conclusion today, hear the prayer of Isaiah 45 verse 8. Shower, O heavens, from above, and let the clouds rain down righteousness let the earth open that salvation and righteousness may bear fruit. Let the earth cause them both to sprout. I, the Lord, have created it. Let's pray. Lord, we live
in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. And too often that dryness on the outside is just a, a reflection of the, the emptiness and the dryness that's within, even as your people, Lord. We pray that you would help us to know you in your fullness, that as, you're, as you promised, that springs of living water would spring up within us because of your presence there. You are the source. You are the fountain of all of our life. So, Lord, we come to you praying that you would rain your blessings of grace and mercy and peace upon our broken land and the brokenness of our hearts and lives and spirits. Help us, Lord, to humble ourselves before you, to turn from our selfishness and self-centeredness, to acknowledge our total dependence upon you and receive from your hand the only thing that can give us life. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. So we know as we come to communion today that grace is freely given us.